That's a good thing to do, isn't it? To rest in the Father's hands and leave the rest. You got any rest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rest in his hands and just leave the rest in the Father's hands. And God is, is bigger, so much bigger than we think he is. And I know somebody who would agree that would be the Apostle Paul. And uh, he wrote these words 2,000 years ago from a, from a prison cell to the church in Philippi. In it, he kind of shares what his passion is, what's most important to him, uh, what's most important to you. Here, here he writes, uh, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I mean, Paul's passion was to know Christ, to to know the power of the resurrection, and to know what it's like to share in his suffering. And and to Paul, everything else mattered not. Pray with me. Uh, God, we love you. And first of all, right now, God, I pray for those who need to do what we just sang. Uh, We are who are facing something really hard and difficult that's bigger than them, but it's not bigger than you. And I pray, God, that you will enable them, you'll help them have the strength to rest in your hands and to leave the rest in your hands. And Father, I pray today that you would just open up our hearts and minds, God, that we would just be blown away by who you are. God, Holy Spirit, just flow through this place. We need you. We pray for you to come. We believe that you can move among us and change us. Believe we're not just people meeting in a room, but we're your people that you love and care about. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so we're in this series, right? Becoming the church that he intended. Like, and why would we want to be anything else, right? Yet, the truth is that sometimes we, we do want to be something else. Sometimes we are something else. Sometimes, we, we, sometimes what we want is, you know, Jesus is a don't call us, we'll call you addition to our life, right? You know, hey, hey we want you when we want you. But if we don't want you, we don't. And I don't know how to express it powerfully enough. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me. But these conversations that we're having are absolutely critical, vital, important, crucial, essential. Because of, as we've been saying the last few weeks, there are eternal destinies that are 
tied to Maple Grove becoming the church that Jesus intended. I understand, if what we believe is true, then for many people, and I don't know how many, hundreds, thousands, whether they spend forever in an awesome and amazing place that gets better and better and better every day called heaven, or they spend their forevers in a terrifying, dark, and horrific place called hell, it's tied to Maple Grove, it's tied to you and I becoming the church that Jesus intended. And I get it. I, I, I get that this is an extremely uncomfortable truth that we would much rather avoid and not think about or talk about. But I think we all know that ignoring or avoiding the truth never changes the truth, right? Get it? Good. And here's the simple truth that you and I will drive past, we will walk by, we will lock eyes with countless people this very week who stand condemned already and at this moment face a Christless eternity. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. These are Jesus' words because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's why it's so important, so important to be the church that he attended, Right? And so far in the series, we have seen that the church that Jesus intended is much more than a building or a place that people go to 90 minutes a week whenever it's convenient, but that the church at Maple Grove is his body, it's his bride, it's his family, it's his flock, it's God's temple, it's the promised messianic kingdom, it's the called out ones, it's the hope of the world. I mean, all really important and significant things, truths that we need to reflect on and meditate on and also celebrate. Uh, understand, in this very room is the bride of Christ. That's pretty significant. You know, you know, regardless of what your political leaning is, if Melania Trump walked in, I'd be like, wow, that's pretty cool. If Melania Trump walked into this room, I'd be like, wow, that's, did I say her name wrong? Okay. Now I'm confused. But if she walked in this room, right, I, I, I'd be like, wow, that's totally incredible. Well, in this room is the body of Christ. In this room, this very room is God's family. In this very room is God's flock. In this very room is God's temple. In this very room is the hope of the world. In this series, we've also seen that the Church Jesus intended is made up of people who both die to and daily deny uh, themselves because it's not about us. Look three people in the eye and tell them it's not about us. It's not about us. You see, the church is to be made up of crucified followers, not fans, who are devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. And listen, as we continue down the home stretch of the series, we're unpacking the powerful and essential truth that the church that Jesus intended is made of men and women, young and old, that is living their lives on mission. People who, like Jesus, have both built and are centering their lives around three things, seeking the lost, making disciples, and showing compassion. And this is the diagram. This is the plan that we will be using as we move forward to ensure that the grove is made up of people who are, who are living their lives on mission. 
It's about belong, grow, serve, and engage. And the life lived on mission, it begins with belong. Understand, if God created you, and he did, if God is the very reason for your existence, and he is, and if he does have thoughts, plans, and intentions for your life, and he does, then it makes sense that a life lived on mission must begin with belong, belonging to him, belonging to the one who breathed life into your body, belonging to the one who knit you in your mother's womb. And belonging to God requires that we in faith surrender our lives to him, acknowledging him as our Lord, as our Savior, as our God, as our Redeemer, as we are born again of both water and the Spirit. Jesus said in John 3, 5, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of Spirit. What does that mean? Well, water is baptism and the Spirit is the, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in his great commission, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? Well, we, first by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit and water again. Peter's preaching the gospel for the first time. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you are at that place where you need to make a decision in that regards. Maybe you're like Paul was, as we read about in Acts chapter 22. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He found out Jesus was Lord. He was blinded for three days. Jesus had seriously impacted his life. And in Acts twenty-two sixteen, a guy named Ananias says to him, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. If you've not yet surrendered to Christ in baptism, what are you waiting for? I would encourage you to get up. We can do that now. I'd be cool to interrupt the service right now. We can do it right after service. And listen, belong according to Scripture is not just about belonging to Christ, but belonging to the church, his family. And so that's the first ingredient to living a life on mission is belong. It's like first base in our our diagram that need, that our backwards diagram, right? It's just reverse. Uh, the diamond's on the other side. We're running differently, right? You're going to hit right-hander, you're going to hit, and you're going to run the first base this way. And ours, it's backwards. We're in England or something, okay? Um, that's how they play cricket. I mean, I, I can't even understand cricket, but anyhow, it has nothing to do with my message. And, and last week, we began looking at the second ingredient, grow. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Grow up in your salvation, work out your salvation. And last Sunday, we began to pack, we talked about six facts about grow. We said it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to grow. Grow is a good thing. You know, we like to see our, our, our kids grow up, right? Um, some wise wister husbands would grow up, amen, you know? <laughs> Uh, Got to get some points with the ladies there. And uh, if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen these pictures taken recently of, of kids going to school, right? First day of school pictures, you got to take these pictures, right? Anybody see those on Facebook? Anybody take one of those, right? Yeah, here is one I took uh, eight years ago. 
that's a, I got permission to, I got permission, I got permission, I got permission, right? Uh, they're durable, right? You know, you know, they've grown, right? They've grown, and, and that's, that's a good thing. And let me tell you, growing up in your salvation, it's a good thing. God will be more real to you. Your purpose will be more clear to you, right? And you'll begin to really experience the full and abundant life that God has for you. Also, facts about grow, it's not automatic. It takes discipline. It's not a point in time. It has only one standard of measure, love, and has only one aim, that you would become more like Jesus. See, here's your ultimate purpose in life in Romans 8, chapter, Romans 8, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, right? That's it. That's God's purpose. That's what God wants you to do. He, he wants you to become like Jesus. I don't know about you. I have some growing up to do. <laughs> if that's God's goal for me, I, I have some growing up to do. You see, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you far too much to let you stay that way. He wants you to become just like Jesus. And for that to happen requires that we develop some habits, Habits that put us in a place, put us in a position where God can do his God thing. A habit is a continual, often unconscious inclination to do a certain activity acquired through frequent repetition. You do it over and over and over again, it just becomes automatic. It's an established disposition of character. And, but, and here's the two things that, about habits that are required from you that, that you hold very precious. Your time. And your energy. Paul says, spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical fitness has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. And so the habits we have talked about so far, number one was the habit of regular church attendance. Paul writes, and let's read that together on a count of three. One, two, three. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so are you going to obey God and to embrace this habit of regular church attendance, right? If you're in town, you don't have bones protruding out of your body, there's no one seriously sick in your family, you're not at work, you should be in his house. Number two, the habit of doing life together. Um, we, as Paul writes, are in this struggle together. Ephesians 2.22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It's not good for man. It's not good for students. It's not good for husbands. It's not good for wives. It's not good for us to do life alone, Right? And, and that's why we do life groups. Our life groups are about, we share life, we pursue God, and we invest in others. We share life. This is about creating an environment where significant, transformational relationships can and will occur. It's a place where we can be real, be known, be loved, and be heard. It's a place where we pursue God. This is about dedicating ourselves as a group to knowing God more and more, and to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We help each other run the race. 
It's about investing in others, our life groups. This is about creating a culture where we both, as a group and individually, actively pursue reaching out beyond ourselves. And so, you know, will you embrace the habit of doing life together? You know, after church, Steve Bailey will be at one of these kiosks for information about our life groups. Next was the habit of spending time in God's Word. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. Jesus prayed in the garden, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify means to be made like Christ, to be brought to completion. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And, you know, I, I threw out a challenge as we entered our service last week, uh, you know, to, with the book of Ephesians, to read the book of Ephesians you know, to study it, to, to memorize a, a couple of verses. And that was homework. And, and, uh, and, and the, when you studied it, I said, hey, use these questions, you know, answer at least one of the, a space pet question, right? You know, and, and I think they're going to pop up on the screen, okay? And, and I have a sheet in the back that you can pick up that has the space pet on it and some other cool stuff. It's a grow help sheet in the back that you can pick up, all right? Is there a sin to confess? A promise? Is there a promise to claim as you read this? Is there an attitude to change? A command I need to obey? An example I need to follow? Is there a prayer I need to pray? Or or a praise I need to give? Is there an error to avoid? Is there a truth to believe? You know, I I got a text this week from someone in our church that made me really, made me happy. I said, Chris and I are enjoying the Space Pet Bible study. So much to learn with a thumbs up emoji. I can't tell you what that did for me. Like, wow, they're actually doing it. They're doing it. They're reading God's word. God is blessing them. I mean, I got to tell you, there's nothing that excites me more than that. You know, to hear that you're just reading God's word and you're, you're sitting at his feet and learning from him, right? Not, not that, even more than you being in here, knowing that, wow, they're reading God's word and they're learning things. That was so awesome. You know, uh, when I read Ephesians 1, you know, I, I found a promise for me to claim that in Christ I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In Christ I'm chosen. In Christ I have redemption. In Christ I have the forgiveness of sins. In Christ I have God's glorious grace. In Christ I'm included. In Christ I'm marked with the Spirit. In Christ I have purpose. In chapter 3, I found, hey, there's a truth I need to believe and hold on to. That God's love for me is deep, high, wide, and long, and beyond all reason and understanding. Ephesians 4, there was a command for me to obey. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It's probably also a sin to confess, right? Because sometimes my words don't always build people up. That it may give grace. In the Greek, it's actually the word grace. It may give, I can give grace to people by the words that I speak. And I memorized a few verses. I memorized some of Paul's prayers in Ephesians. I, I love the one he prayed in the first chapter where he said, you know, I, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that Christ exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, dominion and power, 
and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Hope and power. Could you use some hope? Could you use some power? And we're going to wrap up talking about two more habits. And I, I just got to tell you, I am so excited about what we're talking about. I'm so excited about these habits that if you embrace them, it will stink and change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change absolutely everything. You know, we talk about connecting people to a life change relationship. Well, this is what it's all about. The habit of talking to God. Habit number four. Check this out, Deuteronomy. This is what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them. The way our God is near us whenever we pray to him. Wow. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can boldly and fiercely come into his presence, assured of his glad welcome. What is prayer? Prayer is coming into the presence of God. It's entering the throne room of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Prayer is taking our concerns and casting them on the one who cares for us. Prayer is communicating with the creator of the universe. It's bringing our hurts and our sorrows to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Uh, Prayer is reaching out to the never tired, confused, afraid, or taken by surprise redeemer. Prayer is crying out to the rock who's higher than we are. Prayer is bringing our questions to the one who has all the answers. Prayer is the trigger that unleashes the supernatural power of God. Prayer is coming near to God. What other nation, what other people is so great as to have their gods near them, the way our Lord is near us whenever we pray to him. What can prayer can do? Prayer can do anything God can do. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. Prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crop. All right, Joshua prayed and the Jordan parted, right? Solomon prayed and God gave him wisdom. David prayed and God delivered him from his enemy. Esther prayed and God saved her people from genocide. The early church prayed and the gospel advanced despite persecution. And, and since prayer is so powerful... It's totally crazy and saying that we don't use it like we should. Like, why would you and I depend on our own strength when we could depend on God's? That's crazy, right? That, like, makes no sense at all, right? But we do it. We do it. We got to stop. We got to develop this habit of prayer and, and, and uh Next thing you notice is something called the acts of prayer. Have you, ever, have you ever been doing laundry and when your washer hit the spin cycle, you thought it had been possessed by a demon? <laughs> like it's like walking across the laundry room, right? Heading out the door, the lid flipping open, right? One of the most likely problems is that your washer, the load is not what? It's not balanced, right? It's not balanced. So you balance that sucker up and it, and if we're not careful, if our, our prayers can be like that. They can get unbalanced and are nothing but a bunch of loud and annoying noise. And the following is a, a concept of prayer um, that goes around the acrostic of the word acts, right? People have been using this for centuries. If you've been using it, great, right? Keep using it but, and use it more. Adoration 
is what the A stands for. That's entering holy space. That's how we're to begin our prayer. Not asking for needs, but, but beginning our prayer this way. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6? He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Right? Notice he said this is how you should pray, not, not necessarily what you should pray. And I got to tell you something really cool about that word heavens. It is a plural word, right? I, I didn't know that until maybe nine years ago when I did a study on the Lord's Prayer and looked at the Greek, and I go, whoa, it's plural? That's really cool. You know why it's cool? Because the Jews believed there was three, three heavens. The first heaven, the air we breathe. The second heaven, where the stars are. The third heaven is, is the abode of God, right? And, and, and so when Jesus says, our Father who art in the heavens... He said, not only is God in his heavenly dwelling, not only does God fill the entire universe with his being, but he's also as close as the air that you breathe. Our Father who art in the heavens, our God who is so big, but yet is so close. Adoration sets the tone for the entire prayer by reminding us of who God is. What we're basically doing is we're declaring back to God who he is. And we don't do that to stroke God's ego. We do it to lift up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, and our heads to his glory, his person, his presence, and his power. And so we say things like, God, you are awesome. You're amazing. You're powerful. You're holy. God, you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. God, you are my rock, my helper, my deliverer, my song, my hope, my redeemer. God, nothing is too big and possible or too hard for you. God, you part seas, you slay giants, you bring down walls, and you provide a way where there is no way. And listen, speaking these truths back to God, it, it, it often resets our spirits and our perspective. And, and when it comes to adoring God, David crushed it. <laughs> King David crushed it. We can learn much from him. Here's one example. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who's worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. What I would encourage you to do as you, as you study the Bible, maybe begin having a notebook with you, and as you find qualities and traits about God, you write them down in the back somewhere, and you begin to use them to pray them back to God. Another thing that you can do in adoration is you can pray the names of God. And this is included on your sheet in the back along with the space pets. You can pray these, these names back to God. Yahweh, Rohai, God is my shepherd. You lead me, you feed me, you protect me. Yahweh Jireh, God is my provider. God, you see what I need even before I ask you. Yahweh Shalom, God is my peace. You give me peace in spite of circumstances. Yahweh Nisi, God is my banner. You are my victory in conflict and confrontation. Yahweh Rofi, God is my healer. God, you can heal my body. You can heal my emotions. You can heal my relationships. Yahweh Shema, God is present with me. You are here. I am never alone. Yahweh Makkidosham. <laughs> That's a good word. 
I think I'll stick with Yahweh is my sanctification. God, you make me holy. God, you make me like Jesus. What I like us to do is something very uncomfortable, maybe, is to circle up in little groups, stand up, form a little group, and we're going to practice adoration, saying, God, you're this. If there's someone in your group who wants to pray out loud, go for it. Jump, right? You know, anybody jump. No order, no around the circles. Just jump and say how God is. And this may be uncomfortable, but I just want us to do it because prayer is like a big deal. And so let's circle up. You get on your feet. I know. I'm sorry. Circle up. Circle out. Okay. All right. And as soon as you circle up, just someone, just someone start praying. Tell God how awesome and great he is. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you, God. There is nobody like you, Father. No one compares to you. God, you're great and powerful. You're good and kind. God, your grace is enough. Your mercies are new every morning. God, you fill us up when we are dry. You pick us up when we fall. God, no situation, no problem that we face ever stresses you out, ever confuses you. God, you are bigger than we think you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And so you start off with adoration. The next is confession. Coming clean with God. Jesus said to pray, forgive us our trespasses. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Psalm 139, verse 23. Some of the the benefits of confession. God forgives our sins. The proverb says, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses or renounces them will find mercy. John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Talk about a promise to claim there, right? If you agree with God, homo God, what I've done, it's sin, it's wrong, it hurts you, it offends you. I hate that it's in my life. I don't want to do it anymore because God is faithful and just. He will forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. Talk about a deal. God removes our guilt. When I refuse, this is David talking about his sin. He hid it for a year. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Anybody like guilt, right? I don't like guilt. You know, and to me, I don't like brain freezes either, right? They hurt, right? You, you, a cold ice cream or a slushy, you drink that thing, I, I, you get, I mean, like if a brain freeze like never go away, I don't know if I'd really want to live, right? You know, 
But doesn't it feel good when it's gone? I mean, the instant it goes away, you're like, oh my gosh, this feels good. And that's how I picture guilt, right? It's like a brain freeze. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. I'm not carrying that guilt anymore. I'm not carrying that shame anymore because God doesn't want me to. Another benefit is God will hear our prayers. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you. Do you ever feel that way? God, I'm praying to you like, where are you? Did you change your number and not tell me? Are you blocking me? It's your sins that have cut you off from, my, from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen to you anymore. Listen, your sin affects God here in your prayers. I think we should circle up and confess out loud <laughs> our deepest and darkest sins. <laughs> Good one, good one. And, and I have in my notes, just kidding, all right? Uh, just kidding. But confession is a big part, right? Uh, like like if, there, if you and God got some stuff you need to deal with, right? if you have a friend, you're the same way, right? A close relationship. They go, hey, let's go out to dinner. You're like, wait a second. It's not time for you and I to go to Disney World. Right? We, we got some stuff we got to talk about before we go to Disney World, right? And, and, and you think you can come into the holy presence of God and you got these issues and God's like, seriously, you think I want to talk to you? The cool thing about God is all you got to do is say, you're, you're, I'm sorry, God, to repent. He goes, cool, let's move on, right? And so I, I really would encourage you, don't leave this one out and be specific. Don't say, you, know, you don't have to name every single sin because you'll, you'll be there all day and you'll forget a bunch of them, right? Um, but, but, you know, be, be, be specific. Don't say, God, forgive me for all my sins. No, God, forgive me for the way I treated my wife. Forgive me for those harsh words I used. God, God forgive me for, for going on to that internet site when I said I would never go there again. Forgive me for the way I belittled that person at work rather than lifting them up, right? I mean, get specific. If you want real forgiveness, you have to be specific about, about your confession. And the T, and if you're looking at your outlines, we're not going on the quiet time today, so don't get worried, all right? We're just doing prayer today. Uh, quiet time we'll do next week. We're actually have some time to have one in here. I want to teach you how to do that rather than just talking about it all the time. But not going to rush through prayer either. Uh, the T stands for Thanksgiving, expression gratitude. Enter his gates. Enter his presence with thanksgiving. Right? Not with, God, help me out. God, do this, do this. No. With thanksgiving. And his course with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And like, I'm seriously, you know, you get a book, right? You know, I'm going to start doing it in the back of my journal because I haven't been consistent with it. Where I'm going to write out things I find out about God. And, and I, I want to write out things that I'm thankful for. Right? Here, here are things that I'm thankful for. Listen. Expressing gratitude, there's power and it refocuses your life. It keeps you, I don't know about you, sometimes I focus on what's not going right. <laughs> Rather than, you know what, there's some good stuff actually going on. Anybody breathing out there, right? Okay, right? Anybody alive? Anybody's heart still beating, right? Anybody able to walk in this room on your own two feet, right? Right? Anybody eat last week? Anybody have a, a bed to lie in? Right? Anybody know Jesus and had their sins forgiven, right? But, I, but if I don't think, if I don't practice thanksgiving, you know, and, 
And ingratitude ticks me off. Even little things, right? Like if I let a, a car out and they don't do this, it's like, you kidding me? I see you again. I'm not letting you out, sucker. You know what I'm saying? I hold the door open. Oh, you're not going to say thank you? Seriously? Okay, you open the door yourself next time, right? You know? And God does all this stuff for me? And I don't thank him for it? He answers prayers, I don't thank him for it? I mean, there's power. And so you do this. You make a list, right? You know, make a list. Go home today. Make a list. Stop focusing on all the bad things in your life. Focus on all the good things in your life that you have. Amen? It's like that old hymn, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it may surprise you what the Lord has done, right? Well, I'm not, that's not so bad after all. And the S, as we wrap up, stands for supplication, asking God to help and to, and to intercede. And everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And understand, just like there's an order to things, there's an order to, to have balance in a prayer, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. There's also an order to our supplication, asking God for stuff. And the first thing we need to ask if we want balanced prayer and supplication is pray for the kingdom. You notice Jesus said, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Singular, by the way. Talking about the vote of God, yeah, plural in first verse, yeah, singular here, because okay, God's will in heaven, right, is done perfectly, right? It's not, it's not done perfectly here. And this is where you ask for God's will. You say, God, 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 may your will be done in my life. May your will be done in my marriage. May your will be done in my home at my workplace. May your will be done in this situation that I would rather not be in. May your will be done. May your will be done in the world. May your will be done in the community. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You pray for kingdom kind of prayers. And, and, and by the way, that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. To pray in Jesus' name is not a magic code we got, right? We got the code now, right? All we got to do is say, I, I want that new car in Jesus' name, right? You know, it's not some secret code that we have. It, to pray in Jesus' name is to pray Jesus' character and his purposes and his kingdom. That's what it's about. And when you pray for things in Jesus' name that Jesus wants, you begin to see Jesus move in great ways. Second, you pray for others, family, Again, I would make a list. What family members are you praying for? What are you praying? Pray for your friends. Pray for people you know that need Jesus. Write their names down. Pray for spiritual leaders. Pray for government leaders. You know, we're supposed to pray for our leaders and not just post on Facebook about who we don't like and don't like, and don't like right? We're to pray for those. And they were praying for Nero, all right? All right? Whoever we got is not as bad as Nero. And, and they, Paul actually said, you need to pray for Nero. You need to pray for the emperor. I know he's killing you guys, but you need to pray for him, right? We need to pray and, and write down specific prayers. You know, and sometimes we don't know what to pray for people. And, and uh, uh, Paul can help us there. And this also is on that Grow Help sheet where I have space pets. I have the names of God. 
and I have, you know, Paul prayed for people a lot, and one time I took all the verses Paul prayed, say, hey, what did Paul pray for people? And here he prayed that they would know God better, that they would know their hope and spiritual riches. I got the verses there, I'm not making this up. That they would know their power, that they would know the depths of God's love for them, that they would know right from wrong. He prayed that they would live a life that pleases God and is fruitful. He prayed that they would live abounding more and more in love. He prayed that they would actively share their faith. He prayed that they would have great endurance and patience. He prayed they would have joy and peace. He prayed that they would have inner strength. And, and there was a time right after I did the study where I prayed for people this way. <laughs> and, and like, you know how things are? You know, everything leaks. Yeah, but I got to tell you, when I prayed for people this way, it was absolutely incredible. It blew my mind. It, it, it blessed my life in ways that I cannot even tell you. And maybe you got a name, you're praying, and you go, pray that they would have great endurance and patience. And you're like, wow, Lord, they need it right now. God, they're facing something hard and difficult. God, and I pray that they would have endurance and patience in this difficult time. And again, I have that, I have a sheet on the back that has these things on there. And then you pray for yourself. Finally, right? You're like, wow. Yeah. And, and, and probably you get to hear maybe something you're going to, if you just jumped in asking here, you're like, really, it's not that important anymore. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus said. And it's just like, Lord, give me strength for this day. <laughs> Give me patience for this day or for this hour, right? You know, uh, g- give, me, give me energy for this day. I think it'd be good that we would pray that we would forgive others <laughs> so that God could forgive us. Maybe pray that we could be more like Jesus. Pray for others. And, and the acts of prayer. And, and here's the deal. All these things or about you and I getting closer to God. That's it. And that doesn't happen in this room. The most important things that happen in your walk with God do not happen in this room. This room can be helpful. The most important things are what happens when you leave here. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He he loves you that much. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to be known by him. And that's what these are about. If you see these as a checklist, oh, I got to pray and read my Bible. And oh, I got to go to church all the time. Man, I got to talk to people and do life with them. And all these. If you see it that way, you're going to miss the point. It's all about growing closer to Jesus. That's it. And all about knowing him better. I don't know about you. I need more Jesus. Yeah. I cannot get enough of him. I want more and more and more of him. And that's what this stuff is about. The acts of prayer. And supplication as you pray for others. And what we're going to do right now, and then we're going to come here, get back to our seats, and I'll lead us into communion. We're going to pray over our school supplies, right? You know? Um, and so as the praise scene comes up, if people want to come up here and join me as we, you know, these all are going to Baker Butler. Book bags and, and binders. and Okay, somebody get up here and join me or else I'm going to make you all come up here.
I know you're just waiting for the cue. But, but you know, every item here will one time be in the possession of somebody at Baker Butler. You know, again, maybe it's a single mom that's struggling that you couldn't buy it. School supplies are expensive, by the way. If you went out shopping for this, you're like, wow, that adds up really, really quick. And, and so I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to say, let's pray and then give you guys time to pray and I'll wrap it up. But just, just picture the families. This is going to help. And we know that prayer makes a difference, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in love with you. Um, we need you. And Heavenly Father, we pray for the children and families, Lord, glue sticks, hand sanitizer, binders, colored pencils, post-it notes. Um, these items will be in the possession of children, Lord, who are part of families. And, and God, I just pray, Lord, that somehow, Lord, you will anoint these items, that they'll know that these items came from you. And Lord, maybe some of these children do not feel valuable, Lord. They don't feel they have any much worth. God, I pray they know that they are precious in your sight, that you love them. Maybe some of these families are struggling and they're embarrassed, God. They're embarrassed that they cannot afford their children the things they want to afford them. Some of these children maybe were carrying backpacks that are torn and they're being made fun of, God. God, I just pray you use these things, Lord, for your honor, for your glory. God, may it just be an inroad for you and your gospel, Lord. Uh, God, I thank you for the, you know, the body that came together. Not one person could have purchased all these things, Lord, but we, we came together as a body. And God, may this just be a first step for us, Lord. And so, God, be with every single item and every single family represented. May they come to know you and know that they're loved by you and know that they're not alone in this world, that there's a God that's bigger than their problems. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Every week at Maple Grove, we do communion. And a time to remember what Jesus did. You know, when they hit Jesus, it hurt. That crown of thorns hurt. The whip against his back, that hurt. The nails driven into his hands and feet that hurt. Each breath he took on the cross to breathe with his back raw for six hours that hurt. When the father had to turn his face away for that moment. My God, my God, why forsake me? That hurt. I mean, why would he do that? Because of you? Because he loves you? You know? And he couldn't imagine heaven without you, right? So he sent Jesus down, right? And Jesus came down, allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be shed. That's what you're worth. No matter what the world says about what you're worth, no matter what you think you're worth, right? Communion is a time to celebrate that in the eyes of God, you are worth the death of his son. And every week we celebrate that. And we're going to sing this song. It's a great song. And and really, it's about what we're trying to do, right? We want to build our lives on him, build our lives on his truth, build our lives on his love, his mercy, and his grace. Would you guys stand? I'm going to pray. And then after we're done singing, we go take communion. It's off to the side. It's welcome 
Everybody's welcome. You'll see the trays. There's a cup that has both the cracker and the juice. Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, this life is hard and difficult. We're blown away that you would want us to be in a relationship with you. We're blown away that you would forgive us of our sins. We're blown away of all the ways you've blessed us. We're blown away that we're allowed to build our lives on you. And I pray, God, we just celebrate right now who you are and who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.